Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ike MMA podcast or the Ike M- MMA show. Excuse me, it's always a mouthful for me to say. And I have here in the studio joining me today, it's the um, legendary Shamrock BJJ. Not a legend, lad. Come on. <laughs> no, but, you know, um, but is your name Shaquem, your proper name? Oh, fucking hell, four government names and everything. So, I, I saw the topology, so I thought, okay, this could be his his proper official name. So yeah, I thought that's um, be your name. Uh, okay, so, but you're you like to go on it by Shem uh, Shemrock BJJ. Shemrock, just Shem. Okay, yeah. okay, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, listen, how are you feeling? How are you? Yeah, never better. In the best shape of my life, fueled motivated, just happy to be training and in my city, lad. Yeah. Nice. No, good. Good. So look, I, I have a, a lot of questions for you um, uh, because it's not just the sporting style that makes you such, such an interesting character. I can see a lot of people are, have, you know, are, I can see have chased you and harassed you for your time, uh, not just for training for uh, combat sports purposes, but also your background, your story. Okay, yeah. There's also a lot of interviews and podcasts on Instagram, on, on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, so, you know, really, I don't have much else to say, but can you just start start off from chapter one as, you know, your background, where your journey started from? Me journey in combat sports or just in general? In general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from Liverpool. Mixed race, obviously. Raised by... Predominantly black family, growing up in a majority white city. <laughs> but yeah, from from Liverpool, Toxteth, which is kind of like a more multicultural area. Um, mum and dad split up at a younger age, and I was raised by my mum only. She raised three of us kind of by herself. Um, moved up and down the country. Even we, we've lived, lived abroad, I've been around. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, you say you're from, is it Toxteth or Croxteth? Toxteth. Toxteth. You see, I I remember this quite well, but it was such a long while ago when I think I was reading this article, it was to do with Wayne Rooney. I think Wayne Rooney, is he from the same place or is he from a separate place called Croxteth? Yeah. He's from Croxteth, yeah. Right, yes, because I heard that. Not the same a... place. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Okay, no, because I heard that area is very, 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 really tough, and I was told that if you know if you're from there, then nobody can really mess with you. The both, the both, the both working class areas, lads. <laughs> okay. Where mine's, sure. I'd say, my area is more like a multicultural area. His area is okay. more like white boys. But Liverpool now isn't what it used to be. Mm. Back then now it's like everyone's quite open okay. yeah um well the most obvious question i've got for you to ask is um <clears throat> you, you had or you had to leave the uk for a crime you didn't commit because that, that's something that i've been following really really closely and it looks yeah. like the pre the law has really been harassing you a lot of the time i think earlier this year i think immediately after a fight the police arrested you for something yeah so um, in how old was I when I was about 19 19 years of age I think I went on the run 
I aggravated burglary that I didn't commit. Um, I got arrested for the crime and I got given bail and released from the station. Uh, when I was given bail, um, I was rang by my solicitor and told to come back because I was going to be remanded into custody and they'd made a mistake releasing me. So that's when I, I ran. Um, I ended up spending the majority of my time in Malaysia and that's where I found martial arts when I was in Malaysia. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a crazy long story. Um, I trained in Malaysia for a long period of my career. Turned pro, started fighting professional. Um, basically, the reason why I left Malaysia, I got I got signed to one championship. And then, obviously, because I was a once a criminal, I got kicked out. And then my gym weren't kind of happy that I could never fight on like a big show, like one championship. So eventually, my gym kicked me out. And then I kind of had nowhere to go, nowhere to train. So then I decided to, to go to Ireland. And that's where I started training in Dublin Combat Academy with Collie Mahone, Craig Coakley, Nahome, <coughs> Nahome Weddy, or Blessed Weddy, whatever you call them, whatever you like to call them. Um, Dennis Frimpong, yeah. like there was loads of us. And um, while I was there, I fought for the title on uh, Clan Wars. I won the title, it was in Belfast, and then when I went up to defend the title, I got arrested after the fight, after being on the run for like 10 years, so a long time, like, and then um, I got remanded into custody, I done six months in jail, but luckily went to court and pled not guilty, and ended up winning the case and getting released, and here I am now, back in my city, lad. No, no, that's good, but... Listening to um, the other interviews you've done, I was thinking to myself, all of that hassle, and you know, you are innocent, and but to think all of that hassle and having to turn your life upside down, and you you knew you were innocent. I was thinking, did you not feel some sense of grievance or revenge against the police? Because I, I know I do see how they do harass other people. In your case, it was really extreme. They push you to the other side of the world. You had to almost hide out there before you could gradually come home again? So, I'm going to be open and say this, I've, I've never liked the police, and I still don't like the police. I don't feel comfortable around the police. If I see the police, I don't go, oh, I feel safe, like you're supposed to. I see the police and revert back to that, oh, should I run? Why, why do I think like that? Yeah, because you've never done that for me, bro. Yeah, Everything yeah. you've done has always been against me. Mm-hmm. My, I remember my first encounter with police being a 12-year-old kid. Police officer spat in my face, took my phone off me, and told me it was robbed. What 12-year-old's out robbing phones, lad? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Because yeah, I was from Toxted, he told me to go back to Toxted, because I was in a different area. From the, from from a child, I've never liked police, I've never spoke to mm. police, I never never want to congregate with, like, even one, if my own if my own family said they wanted to be police officer, I'd have <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he ain't yeah. family no more. <laughs> no, no, of course. But people don't know, lad. People, people like I, I get it. I get it every day on on social media. Well, why didn't you just comply? Why don't you just? You, know, you should listen to the police because they, they've never been through it, bro. Exactly. They, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't know what it's like to be harassed. Mm. Like, yeah. What? Well, like, I've, I've been I've, I've been in positions where I've been kicked out of colleges because of the police. I've been in positions where I've had I've had I've had me outraded and they took bikes off me where they took stuff off me that I own and I paid for. 
I've had it where they've twisted me mum up and broke me mum's wrist. I've had it where they, me, me mum's got a case ongoing now against the police. They just tried to settle out a court for thirty grand, where they've been kicking their door off for the past ten years, because I was on the run. It's got nothing to do with it. When they kicked the door off, they take the passport off her, or they arrest her and take her to the police station and leave me little brother in the house on his own when he was eleven years of age and that twelve years of age. I just thought the lad did it. Like. I get it, like, it's not all of them, but I've never had a good encounter with any of them. So you I can only tell you my view. You say that uh, your mother has an ongoing uh, legal case with them. Um, I did hear in what your interview, and uh, just for specifics, the is it, are they called the Legit Podcasts? Legit Podcasts. Leg- yeah. It's called Legit. Legit. Yeah, the Legit Boys. Shout out to Legit Boys. They did a really good interview with, with you. A two-part interview. It was really uh, long. Um, I you did mention that your mother recently was in an ongoing legal battle with the police, and she did successfully win the case. No, my my mum doesn't want to settle out of court. My mum wants justice. Yeah, stage and yeah. offer their money, and she's saying no. She doesn't care about mm-hmm. the money, lad. Where I'm saying take the money, not because it's let's get money. Let's just wash our hands with it. I don't. I don't want to be them in our life. Yeah, yeah. I was in their life. Let's just wash our hands with it. Even if they said no money, I'd say let's just drop it. But that's the type of person I am, bro. When my mum wants justice, and I can understand why she wants justice, bro. She never got to see her son for ten years, bro. She had to. She got evicted from what? In, tw- in twenty-four hours in the space of eighteen months, because they just keep kicking the door off, and then landlords kick her out. There's points where she's homeless and she's had nowhere to live. The housing wouldn't help her. The housing was saying, "We'll tell your son to come back and hand himself in." And it's all down to police. When when she'd go and speak to the housing, she did have like recommendations of police, and in the recommendations it'd say like, uh, "We're a crime syndicate family. Uh, Maxine's and a, so, a son are involved in crime. He's, he's a well-known criminal." Lad, I, I, I don't have a criminal record. I, I've been arrested for possession of cannabis at 20 back when I was about 15. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I'm supposed to be a crime syndicate. Lad, they're just horrible, bro. They're just horrible. What was in... Before you... Uh, before that dramatic turn, twist of events where you had to leave the country to evade capture, um, like what sort of things would they be always be harassing you for as in finding an excuse to arrest you or to stop you, caution you? What sort of things are you being stopped for? Honestly, like mostly you're getting stopped back like times have changed now, like police now, they don't know me. They don't know me face. Where maybe back then police on the beat knew me by name, knew me by face. So it's like see me, stop me, see me, stop me. So at that age, lad, I'm talking like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I see police, I'm running. You're not stopping me. You're not pulling me in the back of the van and pulling my pants down, mate. It's, it's not happening. you gotta, you got to catch me and switch me up and then take me to the police station and strip search me. Because that, that's the procedure, what it was then. Um, so, how old you say you were when you, had, when you had to leave the UK? You were 19? 19, I think I was, yeah. I was about 19. As silly as this question may sound, in your mind, were you like, okay, you you know that these the police are out to arrest you, 
we are weighing up the um, facts that we okay, going to the other side of the world um, to just uh, to evade evade arrest and to eventually pursue um, combat sports, but also at the same time remembering what this could mean for your family, your mom, uh, your brothers, and uh, the remaining family members you have here. I'll be honest with you, bro. I didn't think I was going to last more than two weeks when I ran. I was just one of them, like. If they want to get me, they're going to have to work for it then. Fuck these scumbags. You know, I'm not just going to want myself in. Come, come and catch me then. Mm. And I did have no I did have no intention of learning martial arts. I had no intention of becoming a professional MMA fighter. And then I was on the run out there. for. I went to Koh Samui. I was six months in Koh Samui. Uh, after Koh Samui, then I went to Malaysia to see my brother because I didn't want to go straight to Malaysia and bring trouble to my brother, like police and all that. My brother's a normal working guy. Um, and then I'm in Malaysia at first you're on holiday you're enjoying life and that and then after a while it becomes like you're not on holiday anymore you live there it's boring yeah 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 my brother's going to work every day and I'm just by myself I don't have any mates there I don't really know anyone mm-hmm. so I just walked in the gym and just started learning jiu-jitsu um, I had no intention of becoming a fighter I just wanted to learn jiu-jitsu like, I'd, I'd always watched MMA and whenever I watch MMA, I like it when the fight goes to the floor. And I knew, it was, <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew when it goes to the floor, that yeah. was jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, I'll go and learn jiu-jitsu. Um, Just snowballed from there. I think you walk. if I remember, it was with the um, Leggett guys. I think you said you walked in one day and uh, you, you almost, almost had a really heated argument with the lady at the front desk. Um, you didn't want to go. She said, no, come along. Fine, you don't have to. You don't have to pay for the session. First session, a few first sessions will be free, and it, it's kind of started from there or so. Yeah, I wanted to pay for a year's membership and buy a gi there and then. And she was like, "Have you done jiu-jitsu before?" And I'm like, "Nah, never." And she's like, "And you want to pay for the year up front and just buy a gi?" She was like, "Come to the free trial," and I'm like, "Nah," because in my mind, if I would have spent that money. I'd force myself to go, even if I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. But in the end, she wouldn't take me money. She made me come to the free trial. And I did. I went to the free trial, my first ever class, and I just got my head punched in by everyone. Lad. I got smashed by fucking kids, women, small men. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember just thinking, like, like, like it was like, it was like, when you're a child and you see a magician for your first ever time and you think this is a realist and you're like, wow, and then you start doing little things like, look, I'm a magician. That's what it was like for me. I was like a child again. And I just remember leaving and just scratching my head and going like, I don't know what happened to me or what that was, but I want to be able to do that to other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. it. I think I just got the bug immediately, lad. I just, yeah. I just wanted yeah, yeah. to do it straight away. I was all in after that, I reckon. Um, I, I don't know. What you're saying, I agree with. It sounds about right. I mean, comparing it to my own situation, though, I've not yet done jiu-jitsu, but I've done kickboxing. And I have to say that when I did it for the first time, this is when we had the lockdown because of the COVID-19, and all the gyms were closed, and I thought, no, I, I want to do something to do some sort of exercise. And so I did some pads with a coach that trains at my gym. And I have to say, after the first session, second session, I became hooked because I found it very therapeutic. Yeah. Any, yeah. You know, any or anything, you know, anyone you've been dealing with during the day or week, you know, they're being like an asshole to you. You um, f- have a way of venting out all that frustration. 
And then you leave the gym thinking, what was I even stressed about? <laughs> yeah. Me every day. <laughs> you know, I have to say, for someone who's only 19, 20 years old, and for making that that decision and going to the outside of the side of the world and being mature enough not to visit your issues onto other people, even family members, that was quite quite mature of you because you even said that um, uh, when you left and went to your brother, you didn't want to do things in such a way that will complicate issues for him as well or complicate life for him anyway. I think um, I think I'd been forced to grow up earlier than maybe most other people my age because even throughout school and that, like... When I'm in school with the other lads and that, I used to, I think, like, these are like kids. And then even my mates, all my mates were kind of older. None of them went to school when I was in school. So I feel like I've just been kind of, maybe grew up too fast almost. Like, I know if I had kids, I wouldn't want them to have that experience. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, you, you get other things from it as well. Street smarts. Yeah. Stuff you can't, yeah. stuff you can't learn in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, of course, I do find that if you stay in the classroom too long, when you do leave, uh, there's the there's this sort of naive naive sense of belief that things are supposed to be a certain way because you told been told this is how things are supposed to be. People are actually like this. When you get out there in the real world, you find no people aren't like that. Things aren't like this, and it's like what was all that nonsense? For? <laughs> um. So look, uh, when you landed in. Malaysia um, about I mean we're asking you to repeat yourself here a little bit as in what what was it like I mean I, I get the fact that you want to go and stay with your brother but as in how did the story continue can I say um, when I landed in Malaysia what was it like is that the question yeah as in just of course you're, you're trying to get away from being arrested so it's like well you think where am I going to stay who do I know do I know anyone here um, do I know any place where I can stay where I can lay low that, that sort of thing how I, I... wasn't even laying low bro I was like don't get me wrong I never had no social media I was on a little Tesco shit mobile phone but I wasn't laying low I was living my life going when they get me they get me I went really like oh there's police hard I was I was blatant like didn't really care um, I felt like when I first landed in Malaysia it was good to be able to just not have to look over my shoulder or not have to worry about, like, if I've got trouble with this guy or if police are on this corner or I can't go this area or balls your weed or whatever it might have been. It was like I was just on holiday, lad. It was just nice. It was, really? It was yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so very nice. So what you, did you feel like almost like, a sense of they say that you were you, you weren't scared of being captured as in if they catch me they catch me or what the hell but when you got there you did you feel like somewhat sense of like relief like a change of environment <laughs> that sort of thing yeah yeah I, I still I'd still say I had a chip on my shoulder and that I still um, four people viewed me a certain type of way which is crazy because now you're in Asia and you're from England, people don't view English people how I thought they would. Like, really? I only knew Liverpool and where I'm from, and I was that scallop lad in trackies with his hood up and his strings tied and a skinhead. And now I'm in Asia, and people are looking at me like, oh, wow, yes, Harry Potter, the Queen, cup of tea. England's amazing. You guys are all rich. 
like it took me a good few years <laughs> to like realize these guys don't see me. I'll, I'm used to people seeing me. Yeah, but I think that was the chip on my shoulder. It could also be that's how here yeah, the media like to portray our country to the rest of the world, maybe. I'm not definitely. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I could ask you here because I thought you kind of start from the beginning and tell me your whole story because you are, you are well known for how these people dealt with you really, really appallingly, and um, it's just how you came back from that. And he came back such a much better um, person, you know, someone who's definitely on his way to success because you've got a really promising career in mixed martial arts, uh, despite all the nonsense that's been happening in the courts and stuff. Yeah, which is mad, isn't it? Because I only started training when I was, what, 22? I'm 28 now. It's not, that, it's not that long of a time, really, is it? Not too long, no. But 22 is still yeah. very young. No, it is, it is, it is. It is. But I do feel like I don't want to be cheeky or disrespect anyone, but I feel like I surpassed so many people in a short period of time. <laughs> I think same with some guys who've been training for like what I remember watching him when I was fucking when I was eighteen, seventeen, before I even knew what MMA was. And then you train with him and you're like, What he doesn't even know what technical stand up is. He doesn't even know how to fucking slip a jab. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this sport's meant for everyone, lad. Uh, of course. Now, I think when you've gone through something like what, you, like what you've been through, it makes you grow up really, really fast. So certain stages you're supposed to go through in life, you skip that, and you, like you have to hit the hit the mature, mature age, without going through the stuff that kind of prepares you for that stage in life. If if I can say that. Um. So your contender series that's coming up on the third of September in Crystal Palace. Yeah. Talk more about that. I mean, I looked at the, the promotional poster, but I, who are you supposed to be fighting? I don't, yeah. They've not decided yet. Some Johnny Nolman. Um, what is he? Five and three. He's all right. Big guy. Fought at lightweight. Skinny fat. What's his name? Harry. Harry Davis, Harry Davies. You think he's fought on contenders before, like? Yeah. Uh, I've just got uh, the contract for today, actually, to sign. Oh, oh you yeah. just you just had the uh, you just you found out who, who your opponent's going. You fa- just found out today who your opponent's going to be on the third of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I don't necessarily. <laughs> I don't necessarily feel a bit stupid not knowing that. Yeah, I'm supposed to be fighting um, on August 20th in Liverpool in Camp and Fairness for the title. Okay. And then I'm supposed to do that one two weeks later in London, but I've had no opponents still for August, so I don't know if August is even going to happen at this point. I'm so close to the fight. But if it doesn't happen, I've still got London, luckily, so I'm just focusing on whichever comes first, like I'm not preparing for any specific opponents, I'm just working on me, focusing on myself, what I, what I do best every day in the gym, um, focusing on just sharpening my tools, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to promote London, maybe more than August, because at least I've got an opponent and I've got tickets, wait for August, I still haven't got tickets because I haven't got an opponent. 
Ah, uh, okay. And I'm getting absolutely harassed every day by the fans. Like, I usually could have sold over 100 tickets by now. Easy. So the Crystal Palace for Contender Series third of September, that's definitely going ahead. That's definitely happening. Okay. Unless I get injured or something in the next yeah. few weeks. <laughs> but the August one is the one that's still kind of, it's still a bit iffy as far as you can tell. Yeah, I, I hope it happens because I, I, want, I, want, I want my comeback fight to be in Liverpool, lad. I want, sure, yeah, I yeah. want to be able to fight in front of me people. I want my family yes. to be there. Yeah, yeah. With this guy I'm fighting, I think he's from by London and that, so this would be kind of more his turf. But either or, lad, I don't mind the fight to fight. It is what it is, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> so. First bit early to us, third September, still a way, way, way. Uh, if I can't, I try and, I ask this to all fighters though, uh, listeners and viewers may find this quite repetitive on my part. Um, but, but for a fight, how do you normally prepare? I mean, does your weight what's your fight camp like for nutrition and training and everything? So, this is probably the first time that I don't really have to worry too much about the cut. Because I'm actually going up a weight class. I'm fighting at lightweight now. Where before, I'm always fighting at featherweight. Sure. I feel like cutting from 170, 175 to 145 is a bit depleting on the body. As I'm getting older and older, I feel like I'm getting bigger and bigger and retaining more muscle mass. And I feel like the cuts take a toll on my body. After a big cut, I feel like I can't fight again for a good few months. I have to like replenish my body, gain my weight back, get back in shape, and then go again and enter a new camp where not only that, I'm like such a big believer in health and wellness. Like if you follow me page, you, you see that you clean all year round. Yeah, and, no, of course, yeah. It's got to be natural, healthy from plants, no, no synthetic crap. So how can I be this big advocate of health and wellness and then be doing these huge weight cuts and depleting my body and nearly killing myself to make weight. It's almost it's almost hypocritical, lad. So I decided to myself, like when I decided this when I was in jail, when I get out, at that point, if I get out, <laughs> when I get out, it, I'm not doing it no more. I'm, I'm going to be entered in that cage, fully fueled, healthy, brain healthy, not fucking dehydrating water from around my brain. And going in there and putting the best performances on I can be. I don't care if he's bigger than me. I don't care if he's stronger than me. I'm going to use my skill set, use my fighting IQ and show people what's up. Uh, for weight cuts, then for the upcoming fight, he had to uh, make weight as in make weight to the extent so drastically, especially cutting weight, whereby it's uh, you feel so... so un- I know it may sound really obvious, but you know some of the horror stories I've seen—the brain rattling, the skull, uh, certain fighters collapsing on the scale. You never done things that drastically just to make sure that you get within the range uh, on the dot. So on weigh-in date, there's no issues. I've I've made 65 kilos and passed out and went blind for 20 minutes and couldn't see and seen black and I've done all of that, bro. I'm not doing it no more, bro. It's not happening to go and fight on fucking. Regional shows as well, lad. And why, why do you think I'm fighting all midgets in the cage? Because I'm cutting so much weight. That's what it is. People always ask right. me why is the guy so short. Because I'm not meant to be fighting at 65 kilos. That's six foot. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's not normal lad really is it yeah, let's yeah. be honest even even fighting at 70 kilos I'm not 70 kilos there's not a day on this 365 days of the year that I'm 70 kilos not one do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah, going to be dieting down and still dehydrating, but I won't be dehydrating what I normally do. Like, I normally dehydrate from 72 kilos, 71 kilos to 65 kilos, bro. And then go in there and get hit, hit in the head. Yeah, no, cool. What do you think it's doing to your brain, bro? They say the weight cut usually is the hardest, the most, the most horrific part of the of the uh, fight camp, of the fight preparation. And usually as you get older, of course, the body starts wearing out. That gets harder and harder and harder to do so. Not only that, it's a mental thing, lad. You get to the weigh-in. You step on the scales and you make weight, lad, and you nearly want to cry, bro. You're celebrating it. Yes, I've done it. And then you get to the fight and it's not like... The job's not done. But you've already celebrated like the job's done. Yeah, no, yeah. Fuck that, bro. I'm stepping on the scales and I'm not even I'm not even celebrating it, bro. It's not even it's just just another day. I'll be celebrating once hand gets raised and then it'll be straight back to work like normal. Sure. Um, knowing you know your past and we had to go through, you do have quite a significant following here in the UK of who you are, not just being a fighter, but all the stuff you had to deal with. Um. Not just the UK, I got the Irish no, of course, as well. Not, yeah, of course. Not in, in Ireland and in uh, Malaysia and the Far East. Would you say um, in the future, I mean, uh, they, it's only 28, if you do decide to continue fighting, you mentioned fighting one championship. Would you still want to fight some of the bigger names, the UFC, um, better, or even Cage Warriors? So, training in Malaysia, training with Keanu Suba, Gianni Suba, Evting, Aguilantani, Mehdi Bagheri, like these are all one championship fighters. These are all my teammates. A few other the lads maybe winning one championship, Mustafa Radi. But that was our little avenue because everyone was in one championship. We wanted to be in one championship. And the main thing for me, why I really wanted to be in one championship was because the hydration test does not does not know there's no dehydration. You go and uh, you have to do a hydration test at the weigh-in, so you can't dehydrate. So for me, that suited my style perfect. It's like I can not have to cut weight, but still fight guys that are my size. Where if you do that in the UFC and don't cut weight, you're fighting guys who are two weight classes above you. Really, mm. if you don't cut weight and they do, you're gonna get your head pinged around. So, when I was signed to one championship, at that point in my life, that was my dream, bro. But the reason why I maybe would never sign for them now is because they released me from contract. That, okay, no hard feelings. You know, they want to protect their image. They've done what was best for them. Cool. I, I had no problem with that. Like, even though it was what I wanted and the door got closed on me, I didn't hate them for it. The thing what I didn't like they sent they sent a copy of my passport to Mercedes Police when they didn't have to do that. They they're not legally obliged to do that. So that's the only for me, that's the thing what put me off. Like I don't mind you don't want me there, but you don't have to that, that's a bit of a dog move, lad. We don't where I'm from, lad, we don't really we don't really deal with police like that and I didn't like that. For so me I, that turned me off. 
No, I, I heard everything you just said. One championship sent a copy of your passport to Merseyside Police. And they told me that personally themselves that they'd done that. So it's not like I found that out or I'm making it up. They they told me that. What? Why would they do that? Because Merseyside Police must have contacted them when I announced that I'd been signed by one championship. I posted a picture on my page, me, Rich Franklin, with the contract. I've been signed. And then Merseyside Police obviously contacted them, put the blockers on me. And then Merseyside Police have asked them, can you send us a copy of his passport? Have you got a copy? And they did. They sent them a copy of my passport, lad. And that's the only thing I did in life. Where I'm real, me, bro. If that was me, I would have just said, am I legally obliged to? No. That's what I okay. thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then no. I don't. It's nothing to do with us. We're taking a step back. We're releasing. Cool. We don't want a wanted criminal in our promotion. We're releasing. But we're not getting involved, mate. That, that's what I would have done. I felt like I felt hard done by when they done it, to be honest, lad. And I've never spoke to them about it, or I've never spoke to no one from the company about it. And they probably don't like that I'm speaking out about it, lad, but I'm being honest. I'm not going to sit here and fucking start that's hard disgu- details. That's pretty, that's pretty disgusting on their part, because does one championship have any dealings or any business ventures, or, or do they, well, they can host events here, but do they have anything at all to do with the UK? Any sort of investments? Do they hold, um, do they... I don't know. They've never run any shows in the UK, but I don't know if they've got anything to do with it. I don't know. I know that the company is based in Singapore. That's what I thought, because if they're, if they're based over there, they've got nothing to do with the UK, then they could turn to Mercedes and Peace and say, well, we don't feel that we are obliged to do so. So, And knowing they can do that, knowing there's going to be no consequences for them. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, because I don't know. Different... Yeah. I'm not crying over spilt milk, lad. I've, I've done me jail. I got me not guilty. I've got a lad. To be honest, even when they gave gave the passport, I went and got a new one anyway. Straight away, as soon as I heard that, I had a new passport in three weeks. So look, um, from what you just told me about one championship, that was a really, really low move that they did there, and um, it goes back to what I think what I mentioned before about the stuff I, you know. The sort of harassment that you and your whole family have faced, you don't feel any sort of vengeance. So you maybe in return or someday when you can, you will take these people to court for all of what they've done to turn your life upside down. I've got no, I've got no interest in that, brother. I'd like me, me telling what I've been through or what's maybe happened to me isn't me trying to do it to hurt these people or. It's just me saying what's happened to like people asking. I'll say I've, I've got nothing to hide. I, I'm always honest and I'm always true to myself. But I got no animosity to no one, and I got no reason to hate anyone. The things I've been through in my life have put me where I am now. I've been through hardship. I've been through hard times to make me stronger. That's what I believe to put me in position. So when the real tests come, I've got the strength to endure it and to go through them. I don't hate no one for anything. I've got no hate towards anyone. I'm just happy now. I'm free. I'm living my best life. My family are all well, all alive, all healthy. And I'm doing what I love. I'm living my dream. I'm so fortunate in my life now to have found my passion. If this never happened to me, I'd never have found my passion, bro. I'd I'd be in jail or I'd be dead or I'd be fucking selling drugs still, bro. That's not the life for me, lad. And it's it's not the life my family want for me. Now my family can look at me and be proud. 
yeah, the younger yeah. cousins, nephews, nieces, the next generation of kids growing up in Liverpool and Toxford can look at me as a role model or look at me as maybe the opposite of what I would have been or could have been. So I'm happy, lad. I ain't got, I ain't got hate for no man or woman. Now, we're talking about the um, fighting in the bigger promotions. I think it kind of... I was, I was talking about that, but then you said that we're having one championship where they did two behind your back. But, I mean, going forward, which one of them... Although one championship had a particular condition that you'd still benefited, the hydration um, rule, um, but you said with the UFC and better sort, only the similar US-based promotions, that sort of condition doesn't exist. So... I mean, going forward, which one of those promotions, if you if you wanted to, would you um, which one would you choose? So, I know there's the most obvious one, the big one that sits at the top there. No, we'll the get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, right now, there's offers on the table from all, from all all angles, from lots of promotions, and nice, nice. and. I do wanna, I do wanna fight in a in a bigger promotion on a bigger scale. I want more eyes on me when I compete, and I wanna fight tougher guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said this: I don't fight for money. I'm not looking for which promotion's gonna pay me the most. Even though, yeah, I'd like to get paid for what I think my skill set's worth. I'd like to be able to change my mum's life. I'd like to be able to change my little brother's life, etc., etc. But as of right now, I'm just trying to do what's best for me brand and what's best for me, build my name up a bit more, and then I'll look. You see, you maybe see two more fights out of me than I'm signed into a bigger show. And I feel like which show is got the most eyes on it and which show is going to be the best feeder show to get me to the UFC. Yeah. If you can answer that question, that's where I'll be. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I'll give the most obvious answer. I'm not gonna sound silly here or stupid. It's going to be the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, Mr. Dana no, White. But, yeah, but I'm probably gonna fight on a on a show before that. Let's say, you know what I mean, and I. Oh, a show that help propagate you and catapult you yeah. to. Because look, I don't want to go. I don't. I don't like. I want to fight in the UFC. Of course I do, but I want to go there and hold me own. I want to. I want to get a few more fights in. Have a mm. bit more experience. But not only that, I want to go there with my own fan base. I want to be a name already. Yes. Yeah, I want to yeah, be. Yeah. I don't want to show up and be fighting on the prelims in fucking in Las Vegas and in, in the Apex Center. I want to go there and be like a few fights. I'm on main cards. I'm headlining shows in my own city, yeah. fight nights. I want to do the path what you see the good guys doing, you see Sean O'Malley doing, you see Paddy doing, you see what Darren done. Like that's that's the kind of path I want to follow. I yeah. don't want to be eight fights into the UFC and still fighting on the prelims, bro. I'm 28. Yes, of course, yeah. I'm not 16. Do you know what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I ain't got time to be playing around. Of course, yeah. Um, you, you still want me to answer? <laughs> Which name? So, yeah. It's up to you. If you want to answer it, you can answer uh, it. God. I still feel very much like a novice when it comes to combat sports, but okay. I will say 
what is the, the priority you can go to before going to the UFC to help um, uh, to help increase your fan base and y- your following? Let's say Cage Warriors, maybe. And I know it's they're not there. I think now they're in the US, but their roots are in the UK. Cage Warriors is a big promotion. It's on Fight Pass. Yeah. No, no, they are, yeah. Like you said, mm-hmm. they're doing America now as well. Yes. So they got a new audience to target. Could be the path. Sure. Sure, you, know, you, you are you're right. But I mean, um, if you had said something like, no, I'd prefer fighting in Bellator PF, well, I probably would have understood because, you know, the UFC, there's the on ex. <laughs> you even know before I even finish sentence my statement there's the issue of salary you know and fighters pay that with regards to the UFC you sacrifice your salary for your fame whereas Bellator PFL you get you know you're not going to be that famous but when it comes to money you will be looked after they will take care of you so if I was fighting for money I wouldn't be fighting if I was in this for money I'd be doing something else there's many more things that I could have made well more money doing. I ain't doing this for money. And I ain't doing this for fame either. I'm not fighting for fame. I don't want to be famous. I kind of get anxious and nervous when people spot me and they want to take pictures and I feel a bit awkward and that. Like, what? I'm not here for the fame. But I do want the eyes on me when I'm competing. When I'm fighting, yeah, I want as much people to view my fights as possible. Mm-hmm. Outside of the cage, I don't want to be famous, but there's not enough I can do about that. It comes with the territory, it comes with the sports. I'm just going to have to be mature about it, and it gets a bit easier the more fucking the more you get used to it. Yeah. But I want to fight on the biggest platforms against yeah. some of the best guys and win, lose or draw. I just want people to say like, "Wow, well, remember that fight he had with my man?" Or did you see that performance? Every fight I compete in, I want people to say he's leveled up. He's getting better. Oh my God, did you see his striking? Did you see his wrestling? Did you see his jiu-jitsu? That's all I want, bro. And then when I get to the UFC and I'm competing with your Volkanovskis and your Max Holloways and your Brian Ortegas, whoever it might be at the time I'm there, I don't want to look out of place. I don't want to be like, yeah. I don't want to say it, but like some of these guys who have come from England and they've gone there and they've lost three fights and then they're back in Cage Warriors or they've moved to Bellator and it's like yeah. he could have he could have been something if he would have built him up correctly. I don't I don't want that path, lad. I'm you, want, you, you want when he gets to the UFC that the respects will be will already be on your name. Yeah, yeah. you get me. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 Um look I think I'll ask you everything that I can I can ask you. Um, is there anyone or any affiliates, uh, any family, friends, coaches, teams, sponsors you want to give shout outs to? Shout out to everyone, everyone supporting on the journey, everyone who's hating on the journey as well because you're still supporting <laughs> even though you're not knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big shout out, next generation. Big shout out to all my sponsors. I love you all. Couldn't be possible without them. First and foremost, and yeah, I'm just happy, lad. Just doing what I'm doing. Thank you so much. Um, I know to get this interview done would have been because I know a lot of people again, like I said before, a lot of people are chasing for time for interviews, for training, and for lots of other stuff as well. 
But thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast, for listening to this episode. If <laughs> thank you, if um, if you did enjoy the episode, please don't forget to leave a like. Don't to, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, and on Google Podcast. Sherman, sure, thank you once again, and definitely we'll have to invite you onto the show for uh, for another interview. Definitely. Thank you, Take care. See ya. Yes.